So good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you. I was on holiday last week and I missed you all. So um, it's good to be back and see familiar faces. Um, as you know, my name is Michelle. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and as Paul said, we're continuing our series on Come Holy Spirit, where we've been looking in depth at the third person of the Trinity, who he is and how he impacts and operates in our lives how he is central to us becoming more like Jesus. Steve mentioned last week, as he looked at Jesus and the Spirit, that Jesus had a deep assurance of who he was, of being God's son, and how that developed a life of intimacy and authority for him. And so this morning, Jesus is our ultimate role model for this week's message, as we look at the Spirit and sonship. This message could have been a lot longer. Um, I once had the opportunity to share at a discipleship school about being children of God and the goodness of God the Father. That was six hours of teaching, but you'll be pleased to know I'll have you all home by tea time. <laughs> this is just such good stuff. It really is God's heart that we know him as Father that we walk with him as his son Jesus walked. And we do that through the Holy Spirit living in us. But before we get into our message today, let's pray. Yeah, Father, I thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to come that this morning as we, as we focus on you, as we hear from you, that you would impact our lives, that we would know that we're your children and that you're our dad. And I ask this in your name. Amen. A key passage in the Bible which talks about sonship is Romans 8. And I'm going to read verses 12 through 17. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, please do. If not, the words will appear on the screen. So Romans 8, starting at verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And so this morning, I want us to look at both God as our father and us as his children. In the Old Testament, the idea of God as father is rarely seen. There was a respect that was required when approaching God. Intimacy, familiarity were generally avoided. Many would even avoid saying God's name altogether, considering it too holy. When people address God, they would have used Yahweh, 
which is translated in our Bible as Lord, strict Jews may even avoid this and simply refer to Hashem, the name, when speaking of God. And still, even with this, we read of times of God wanting to be father. We read in Jeremiah 3.19, God saying, how I would set you among my sons and give you a pleasant land, a heritage most beautiful of all nations. And I thought you would call me my father and would not turn from following me. And then Psalm 68.5, David declares God to be the father of the fatherless. Throughout the Bible, we see God wanting to connect with people. I have a quote written on a page between the Old and New Testament in my Bible. And I don't know who said it, so I can't give them credit for it. But I love the picture it brings to mind. It says, the gospel is simply this. It's about a father who lost his kids in the garden and wants them back. And that's why Jesus came to make a way for us to have relationship with Father. Over 250 times in the New Testament, 175 times in the Gospels alone, Jesus refers to God as Father. This literally turned things upside down for the people at the time. To address God in such an intimate, a personal way was revolutionary. And it wasn't the formal Father Jesus used, he addresses God as Abba, which was how a child would affectionately address his or her dad. It's not father, it's daddy. The Jewish scholar Jeremiah said, the description and designation of God as Abba was one of the most unique statements and concepts which Christ introduced. Jesus knew he was God's son, I remember when he was in the temple or when he went to Jerusalem as 12 years old, his parents, Mary and Joseph, took him there to celebrate the feast of the Passover. But they didn't return home with him. Jesus got left behind and he's left in Jerusalem for three days. And when his parents get back to the temple, his response to them was, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? So Luke chapter 2 goes on to say that they didn't understand why he was saying what he was saying. But Jesus knew. He knew who he was. He knew he was God's son. And we continue to see Jesus and Father's relationship throughout the Gospels. Jesus retreats to be with his father, to spend time alone with him. And one of the most beautiful times we see Jesus and Father's relationship is when Jesus was baptised. And this was something Steve mentioned in his message last week. But let's read the account in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptised by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptised by you, but do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptised, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. 
And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So this was a very personal and at the same time a very public affirmation from a father to a son. Ed Purick, who ministered alongside John Wimber from the early days of the Vineyard Movement, says in his book, The Central Event, this event had a profound effect on Jesus the man. His core identity was clearly established. I am my father's son. His heart, flooded with his father's affection, was secure in knowing I am loved. He experienced the compassionate care of his father, who understood the needs of his son. Throughout his life and ministry, as he faced temptation, trials and disappointments, he would never forget this day, his father's touch and tender words. From this place, with the heart of his father beating within him, Jesus was sent into his public ministry. So Jesus' baptism took place before his ministry began. This wasn't a well done for what he had achieved. This is simply affirmation for who he is, a son, God's son, deeply loved with a father who is proud of him. Jesus' identity is rooted in him knowing that he's the son of God. Imagine how that felt for Jesus to hear those words from his father. And now imagine for a moment that Father God is saying those words to you. You are my beloved son, my beloved daughter, with whom I am well pleased. They're powerful words that if we let sink in, will transform us. I believe there's a need in all of us to know we are loved. As children, there were things we needed to receive from our earthly fathers and mothers, basic emotional needs that if left unfulfilled will have affected us. Many, if not all of us, could share stories of times we felt let down by our parents, whether that was an intentional act or not. And even if we had the best, most present mum and dad, there's often still gaps. The good thing is that God is the best parent and he can fill areas where we need healing. Father God can make sure all the things we didn't receive or only received in part can be given to us in their fullness. As human beings, some of the basic emotional needs are, and this is just a couple, three of them, affection, acceptance, and affirmation. We're just going to look at them quickly. Affection. We need to know, we need to experience unconditional love. Our parents may have provided shelter, food, and clothing. They even may have had loving feelings towards us. But unless those feelings were communicated to us and expressed in a way that we as a child could understand and receive them, our need for affection may be lacking. Showing affection can happen in different ways. And for those of you who have children, you'll know that what works for one doesn't always work for another. Everyone is different in the way they need to experience love. 
For one child, it might be extra time spent playing with him and his toys. For another child, it may be physical touch. They crave cuddles and hugs. As adults, knowing our love languages and those of the people around us can be really helpful. And it's the same for kids. I've been thinking a lot about The Five Love Languages, which is a book by Gary Chapman, um, over lockdown, really, and how um, my needs for love are shown in very different ways to others. Um, and it's been really helpful for, them, for me to understand who I am and how affection is shown and received by me. So I do recommend having a read of the book. Acceptance. A child needs an atmosphere of unconditional love and acceptance to allow them to feel safe and secure, both physically and emotionally. A secure environment may be a locked door, but emotionally a child needs to know there's a safe place within their parents' heart for them. And even if they do something wrong, they can still come to their parents and be comforted and held securely. An affirmation. It is said that it takes at least 40 words of praise to counteract just one word of criticism in a child's heart. Speaking words of encouragement and affirmation help a child become better prepared for life. They build a child's self-esteem, making them feel valued and recognized. And we benefit from this too as adults. There's a sense that all these things need to be experienced both when we are children, but also as we grow. And the amazing truth is that we can experience them through our relationship with Father God. James Jordan, in his book titled Sonship, A Journey into Father's Heart, says, knowing the Father is not just a matter of adhering to a theology in the book, but the Father himself becomes real to your spirit and his love begins to be revealed within you. It's a relationship, a real relationship, and one that opens up to us when we accept the invitation from Jesus to follow him. Ephesians 1 verses 4 and 5 say, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love, he predestined us as us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Growing up, I was obsessed with the film Annie, the story of an orphan who was taken in by a billionaire. I'm over 40, so it's the 1982 version for me, and I would watch it daily, every, I mean every day, sometimes twice a day. I knew all the words, not just to the songs, but the whole script too. In me, there was a desire to be adopted. I wanted to be chosen by someone. And I remember hearing someone teach on those verses in Ephesians. And as the lady spoke, I heard God say in my mind, I've adopted you. That was the 31st of January, 2011. And it started me on a journey for, um, of knowing God as my father. The thing was, I knew I had a dad, Father God, but I was a long way off living in the truth that I was his daughter. 
We may know God as father. We may call him dad. But do we really know what it means to be a son, to be a daughter? It is Holy Spirit that places in us the truth that we are adopted as sons, as daughters, and we can call God Abba. And we already have the Holy Spirit. In John 14, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit that he will come and be with us. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And then in verse 18 of John 14, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We are no longer orphans. We have not been left empty or comfortless. We have been welcomed into a family, God's family. We are adopted. In the New Testament, Paul uses the term for adoption five times. The Greek word he uses is huarthosia, which I'm not sure I pronounced that right. Um, this is made up of two words, huios, which means son or legitimate offspring. It's used of those who are born again in Luke 20, 36. Those who revere God as their father, who are, create, who are in character and life resemble God, who are governed by the spirit of God. Antithemy, which means to set, put or place, to appoint or establish. Paul, being a Roman citizen, draws from his knowledge of Roman law regarding adoption. And this would have been familiar to those who he was writing to, the Jewish and the Gentile believers that were living in Rome. One of the most common reasons for adoption in Rome at the time was to preserve an inheritance for a family who had no sons. They would adopt a son from another family and he would receive all the rights and honours of a natural son. And in some situations, he would receive more because an adopted son could not be cast out of the family later. Once he'd been adopted, once he was a son, he was a son for life. For those who are, of us who are Christians who have made a commitment to follow Jesus, we have experienced adoption. We are children of God. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be children of God, and so we are. And I love that verse. I love the, and so we are, bit at the end. We can call God our Father, my Father. But what we need, but what we read in Romans 8.15 highlights where adoption places us. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. We may be happy, even excited, to call God Abba, Father, but we don't often realise or live into what adoption entails. We have received the spirit of adoption to sonship. Going back to our little Greek lesson, um, I'm going to try and pronounce the word again, huarthosia, it's the placing of a son. It means there's been someone that's been chosen and put in the position of a son within the family. Father wants us to grow, 
to mature in him. He wants us to move from the place of being orphans and slaves, where we see God as a master, where we feel insecure, where we strive to be accepted, where we feel we need to earn our relationship with God to a place of knowing him as our father, being able to rest in him, knowing we are loved and secure and living in the truth, we are his delight. Simon Ponsonby in God Inside Out, which is the book that we're loosely basing our series on, says, such a revelation of our position before God on the basis of the decree of the Father, the death of the Son, and the deposit of the Spirit should revolutionize our lives. God is Abba, our Father. I am his son, not his slave. I serve him freely without fear. I relax in what my sonship means, security, identity, inheritance, and freedom from anxiety and fear. Looking at those four things, security, identity, inheritance, and freedom, starting with security. We have a deep assurance we are loved. Remember the story of Jesus' baptism? Before Jesus had done a single thing in ministry, before he gave a single sermon or healed anyone, his father showed his love for him and secured him in the knowledge of who he was, his son. It is this security we need to hold on to as we walk through life. Identity. Security is rooted in our identity. It's not about what we do, it's about who we are. And one of my favorite quotes on identity is by John Egan, who was a Jesuit priest. He says, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. God's love for you and his choice of you constitute your worth. Accept that and let it become the most important thing in your life. In life, we can so often battle with low self-esteem, feeling inferior or unworthy. We question whether we are really loved, truly accepted. We are hesitant whether we are fully welcomed into God's presence. A few years ago, Holy Spirit gave me a picture during worship. It was like a video playing out before my eyes. And I think I've shared it here before, but I felt to share it again as it really speaks of who we are in Christ. In the picture, I saw a door, a large door, that led into a rather grand reception room. And I was aware that Father God was in that reception room. The door was open and I was eager to run in, knowing that I would be greeted by him with a warm smile and a big hug. And as I looked at what was happening, I could see people waiting, a long line of people standing outside the open door, not knowing if they could go in. And I recognized them as being Christians, those who believed in God and would say they had a relationship with him. But for some reason, they didn't feel they could just enter the room where he was. And this broke me. I wanted to grab hold of their hands and take them into the presence of Father God. 
I would say this morning, as brothers and sisters in Christ, please know that you don't need to stand outside Father's presence. You don't need to wait for him to ask you to come in. Know who you are as a child of God and run to him. Don't allow your past or the lies of the enemy would tell you to tell you not, you're not worth it. Listen to the voice of your father as he says, come, my child. Inheritance. I read a couple of verses from Ephesians, Ephesians 1 earlier, and I want to go back there and look at what they say about our inheritance through Christ. I'm not going to read the passage, but I encourage you to make a note and read it this afternoon or over the next few days. This is our inheritance as noted in Ephesians 1 verse 3 through to 2 verse 10. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We are chosen in him. We have been made holy and blameless in his sight. We are predestined to be his sons and daughters. He has freely given us grace. We have been redeemed. Our sins have been forgiven. He has shown us the secrets of his heart. He made, we are made alive in Christ. We are seated in heavenly places with him. All of these are ours. We don't need to claim them. We simply need to receive them to come before God with open hands and open hearts and accept the gift of our inheritance, the inheritance we, see, we received when we were adopted to sonship. I didn't mention it earlier, but just to clarify, it talks of sonship as this was culture in the first century. It was the son that received the inheritance. But just as the guys must come to terms with being described as the bride of Christ, us ladies must learn to appreciate that we are adopted sons. And as Simon Ponsonby puts it, we must not let understandable matters of gender and inclusive language cloud the real issue here. This is not about sexism, but status. Women remain women but take the honor of the firstborn son. And so just to remind ourselves of the quote from the book, God Inside Out Again. God is Abba, our father. I am his son, not his slave. I serve him freely and without fear. I relax in what my sonship means, security, identity, inheritance and freedom from anxiety. And so we've looked at security, identity and inheritance. Let's look at what it means to walk in freedom as part of our sonship. We, are no, we no longer live as orphans. We are no longer slaves. We no longer need to carry the weight of shame that robs us of belonging. We no longer need to be controlled by anxiety and fear of what ifs or what may be. John 8, 34 through 36 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. 
The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. As a son, as a daughter, we have a permanent place in the father's family. We can live a life of freedom. We get to enjoy being God's kids and live the adventure that brings. We get to be who God created us to be. We often talk about doing what Jesus did as the key to our discipleship. But the real key is becoming like him. As Jesus was a son to his father, we are to live as sons and daughters to our father, to God. It's about having the same heart as Jesus. It's about developing an intimacy with father. It's knowing that as we become more mature in our Christian walk, we become more dependent on God. It's about walking as Jesus walked, that we see what Father is doing and join in. And so I want to invite the band back up. And as they come, if you are able, will you join me in standing? And so this morning, we have space to connect with Holy Spirit and allow him to show us what we as individuals need. It may be that you sense the invitation to meet God as Father in a deeper way, or maybe even for the first time. Father's heart is for us to receive more revelation of who he is, and that happens by Holy Spirit. We can come to Father as we are, whether that be dressed in our best clothes or broken and dirty with cut knees. He invites us to come and receive love, affection, acceptance, affirmation from him. Maybe you want to know the security of knowing Father, to have him speak identity to you, Maybe you need to receive the inheritance he has for you. It's there. You don't need to do anything. Just receive. Maybe you need to know the freedom of being a son, a daughter, and are asking Jesus to wash you clean, to remove the heaviness of shame that you carry, to, to enable you to enjoy more of him. Wherever you are, Whatever you are asking for this morning, let's come to our Father and ask him. <laughs>